Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. So we've been talking about, think about this, what God said to Brother Norval Hayes, and he said this one last statement. He said, if you will teach my children to worship me more, I will do great and mighty things for them. Can you imagine how God longs to do for us and can't? Simply because people won't respond to him rightly? Think of it. As a parent, there are times that you try to protect your children from going a wrong direction, uh, making a wrong decision, getting in the wrong marriage, taking the wrong job, having the wrong companionship, and they won't listen to you and you cannot protect them from the effects of their not listening. Right? Even so, God doesn't want to leave us unprotected. (laughs) How does he protect us? By giving us instruction. How do we, how are we safe? Follow what he says. Now, if he says, if you'll worship me, I'll do great and mighty things. Why? Because worship brings the anointing and the anointing works great and mighty things in our lives. Amen. So God wants to do great and mighty things for us, but we are the only one that limits him. Amen. How do we limit him? When we think wrong, when we ask limitedly, we ask limitedly for one reason, we think limitedly. God is offering, if you will worship me, I will do great and mighty things for you. I'll perform miracles for you. He'll do great and mighty things in our finances, great and mighty things in our bodies, great and mighty things in our businesses, great and mighty things in our family and with our children. But sometimes people have been so used to not enough that they think in line with not enough. And so they worship in line with the thought of not enough. But if we will take time worshiping him, he will help enlarge us. Amen. Amen. Now I want to read to you, go with me if you would to Psalms chapter 78 and verse 41. This is a passage when he's talking about after he delivered (coughs) the Hebrews out of Egypt. Um, He told them before they even exited Egypt, I have a land for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. (laughs) What's that mean? There's abundance in that land. And that's the land that he had planned for them. Right? He brought them out with that land in mind. He did not bring them out of Egypt with the wilderness in mind. He brought them out of Egypt with the promised land in mind. But although their bodies were out, their minds weren't. Their bodies were free from slavery, but their minds were still enslaved to the past of not enough, having been in bondage, having a slave mentality. And he worked all these great and mighty things to demonstrate for them 
who's on their side now. They saw these magnitude of miracle after miracle after miracle worked to deliver them out of Egypt. No doubt it was to help prove to them, demonstrate to them, this is a different life I'm calling you into. It's not a slave life. It's a life full of greatness, full of great things. Do you know it's the same for us? When we got born again, we were born into a life that is, has greatness available to it. Amen. But so many of us still think like the home we were raised in or the struggle we had before we got saved or the limitations of the people around us. Instead of having his greatness in mind, he will do great and mighty things for us. If we won't limit him. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so in Psalms chapter 78, verse 41, God was speaking to them <clears throat> because so many times they wanted to turn back and go back to Egypt. Why? Because they were comfortable with that level. When God offers you great and mighty things, it's a level you've never lived in before. Don't be comf more comfortable with a level that's less than what he's offering. So Psalm 78 verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How do we limit God? Just forget what he's already done. You know, people can look at their situation and say, this is a big problem. It would take a big miracle. Do you know the greatest miracle that you have ever needed, you've already received if you're born again? What is that? Your salvation. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. That is the greatest miracle your life has ever needed. And if you're born again, you already received that. So don't tell me you can't believe for something great. You've already believed for the greatest thing. Don't let the devil tell you you don't have enough faith to believe for that healing or to believe for that prosperity or to believe for that change that needs to happen. You have already believed for the greatest thing any man could believe for if you're born again. Amen. So don't limit him now. Don't forget. Now see, they limited him, it says in verse 42, because they remembered not his hand. They'd already forgotten what he did. Don't forget, you've already believed for the greatest thing. I don't care what you're facing. You've got enough faith to believe for it if you'll believe. Remember, I've already believed to be delivered from hell to heaven, from sin to wholeness. You've already believed for that. Don't forget that. Because if you forget that, you'll limit God what he can do for you in the future. Then Psalm chapter 81, go with me because it's still talking about God's people that he delivered out of Egypt. And verse 
10, Psalm chapter 81 and verse 10, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation. Psalms 81 verse 10. It says this, I am the Lord, your God. Notice this. Your job is not your God. Your past is not your job, is not your God. Amen. Your failures, don't make them your God. Lack, don't make it your God. Don't make money your God. Don't make anything. He is the Lord, your God. Look at this. Who brought you out? He brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Well, that's a type of the world for us. Amen. He brought his people, the Hebrews, out of Egypt, but he brought us out of the kingdom of darkness. Now that we're out, notice this, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now that you're out, you have to do something with your mouth. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. One way to open our mouth wide is open it wide in worship. And he will fill, he will fill with great and mighty things. God said to Brother Norval Hayes, if you will teach my people to worship me more, I will do, I will do, I will do great and mighty things for them. That's scripturally based. It's right here. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice. They wouldn't listen to me. Verse 12, so I gave them up to their own heart's lust and I let them go after their own stubborn will that they might follow their own counsels. Now notice this, they held, what is he saying? They held to their own way of thinking. When he offered them a higher way of thinking, you don't have to have a slave mentality anymore. You don't have to have a sickness mentality anymore. You don't have to have a lack mentality anymore. You don't have to have a worry, fear, depressed mentality anymore. But they wouldn't listen to him. Why? Because they went by their own counsel. Going by your own counsel is going by what your head tells you and what your body tells you. Don't go by your own counsel. Go by what his voice says. What's his voice say? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When something comes and tries to threaten your miracle, say what God says. It says here, he said he could not get their mouth, he couldn't get them to open their mouth wide so he could fill it. Notice this, he has a feeling for us, but it, it only will fill up the open mouth. It matters what we say. It doesn't, listen, we don't get in life according to what God says. We get in life according to what we say. And that's what God says. You have to open your mouth. Amen. Open your mouth to this. God's doing great and mighty things for me. Is he, does that not make him worthy of worship? Amen. Now, verse 13 of Psalms 81, let's go on reading. It says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Can you hear the longing in that? I mean, when you've got the answer for their life, but they just keep doing what they've always done. They just keep thinking the way they've always thought. They just keep talking the way they've always talked. 
Can you imagine the longing God saying, if you'll quit talking that way, if you'll quit thinking that way, if you'll take what I'm offering you, it will change everything for you. How about let's applying this to our own life? Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. Well, how about us today? We're, he's referring to his people. We're his people. That we would walk in his ways. Let me just say this. Worship without obedience doesn't work. We have to walk in his ways. We have to be a doer of the word. Or else the worship will not be able to produce in our lives. Why? Because it won't bring the anointing. Worshiping from a, from a stance of disobedience will not bring the anointing. <clears throat> but notice he says in verse 13, oh, that my people would listen to me and that they would walk in my ways. I love this verse 14 speedily. Then I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. In other words, you don't have to live a, a day after day, month after month and year after year of failure. Speedily things can change overnight. Things can change. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So these passages we've read show us where the Hebrews missed it. Why did God record it? So we don't miss it the same way they missed it. (laughs) Amen. God is totally unlimited in what he can and will do for us. But we are the ones who have to think that way, talk that way, worship that way. Because sometimes we can worship God, but if we worship with this limited thinking, in our heart can stir something bigger, but it can't get out if we won't let it out. How many times has God put something in your heart for something more than you're experiencing today? Well, he's putting it in there to get you used to the idea of that largeness of something more than what you've had. Because if he can't get your agreement with that which he's put in you, it won't come out. Worshiping God helps you to come into agreement with what he's put in you. Why? Because you get around God and you want to be like him. (laughs) You don't want to argue with him. You want to agree with him. Amen. So many times, though, we've been conditioned by the past. We've been conditioned by lack. We've been conditioned by struggle. We've been conditioned by seeing generations of our families struggle and barely make it. And we think that that's normal and we think that's the way life is. Not for someone who's been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into a whole new kingdom. Amen. We have to remember this, just because it's hard for man doesn't mean it's hard for him. We we have to make sure that we don't take what is impossible to us and accuse God of of the impossibilities. Everything that's impossible to him is completely possible. Excuse me, everything that's impossible to us is completely possible to him, totally. Worship keeps us mindful of his ability, not our ability. Because our ability is limited. His is unlimited. Worship 
keeps us mindful of the unlimitedness of God. Amen. We can't fellowship with greatness and remain small. I'm talking about fellowshipping with him in worship. It's going to affect us. Amen. So he is offering to do great and mighty things. And can I say this? If we have faith enough to worship him. Faith enough to worship him. If you're born again, you have faith enough to worship him. Put it to worship. Whenever we're worshiping God, that is an act of faith. Why? Because we're worshiping a God we do not see. And anytime you are dealing with the unseen, you're in the faith arena. What does it say over in Hebrews chapter 11? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If it's seen, it doesn't call for faith. If it's unseen, that's when faith comes into existence. That's when faith is called for, rather. Now, the devil will say, your faith isn't working. It hadn't shown up. Now, see, that's a sure sign he's trying to get you to not understand what faith is for. Say, devil, faith is for the unseen. If it hasn't shown up, that's why my faith is so valuable. It's not a sign my faith isn't working. It's a sign my faith is called for. Amen. Worshiping God gets your faith going. It is so dangerous to have a faith that's dead. What does it mean to have a faith that's dead? It's not moving. If someone were to die and we were to attend a funeral and the body may be there at the service, and we would say, well, the body's there, but it's dead. Why? It's not moving. It doesn't mean it's not existing. Yeah. That you, everyone could see that body in that room. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means it's dead. It's not moving. Yeah. You can have faith that it exists. Yeah. It's in you, yeah. but it's not moving. Yeah. Dead faith is dangerous yeah. because you can't go anywhere on it. Yeah. Worshiping God is a faith act. So to worship God is to keep our faith moving. Amen. It keeps us from falling into this thing of having dead faith. If your faith is dead, it can come back to life. It's still in you. Get it moving. Get it moving. How do you you get it moving? One way is to worship God. Amen. It gets it moving. It won't give you faith, but it'll get the faith moving that you've already got. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not about getting God to give it. It's about getting us in position to receive. And this is where so many people, they're praying for God to give them healing. They're praying for God to give them prosperity. It shows that they don't understand that all these things have already been provided. All that he's been, all that he has provided is waiting for our faith to show up. What does it say in John, 1 John, it says this, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. What does it mean? It means your faith is what, excuse me, your victory is waiting for your faith to show up. And when your faith shows up, victory comes into manifestation. 
How can you make your face show up? Worship is an act of faith. When your worship shows up, victory shows up. Amen. Now think about it. Let's talk about Jairus real quick. We know the story of him. He came up to Jesus. The word says he fell down and worshiped him. That was the first thing he did. He didn't just in a panic say, my daughter's dying. My daughter's dying. Come with me. He took time to worship Jesus first. Because of that, the outcome of his situation was totally turned. Why? Because he started his, he started, his approach was right when he was faced with a need. What's the right approach when you're faced with a need? Don't go to God in fear. Don't go to God in a panic. Don't call the pastor. Got to have counseling. Take time first to worship God. That's the appropriate approach. And the first approach of faith is to worship God. Amen. When he approached Jesus worshiping him, you know what happened? Jesus went with him. Amen. A lot of people are trying to get God's power into a certain situation, but they haven't, they haven't approached him right yet. Now then, on the other hand, you see another situation with the Syrophoenician woman. She came up and uh, she said, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter's grievously vexed of a devil. Well, see, that's not worship. First of all, uh, those are covenant words, calling him son of David. She's a Syrophoenician. She's not a Jew. She doesn't have a covenant. She's using words that don't even belong to her. Flattery doesn't work. Amen. It's sincerity. God wants to hear her heart. She did not come worshiping him. She gave him a title that flattered, that sound flattering to him, called him by that title, and then told him what her need was. And you know what happened? Nothing. He was silent to her. He would not even respond to her, although her need was great. God doesn't respond just because we have a need. God responds to faith. People think that if they have a need and they cry long enough, God will move, on, move for them. That's not how to receive what God's provided. So he won't respond to her. She then goes over to talk to the disciples. The disciples, the way their response was, they go to Jesus and say, tell her to leave us alone. That's the, that's the, that's the compassion of their response. <laughs> And so finally, he begins to talk to her and says, what I have isn't for you. What I have is for my children. And uh, she says, I'm not asking you to take what belongs to your children. What your children are careless with and let drop as crumbs, let me have that portion. But before she said that, and uh, the, pa the passage says that uh, the disciples said, Jesus, send her away from us. She bothers us. And it says, but she came and kneeling, worshiped Jesus, and then said, help me. Notice this. When her approach was a flattering term, he wasn't, he didn't even respond to her. But when the disciples wanted to send her away, then she took the proper approach and she came and she worshiped him. And then she said, help me. And he did help her. Why? Because her daughter was set free. But notice this. It wasn't until her need was 
connected to her worship. Your answer for your need is relying on your worship. Any, the first thing you, the, the first time a need shows up, don't start worrying, wrong approach. He won't, he won't answer and respond to that. Don't, don't become fearful. Fear doesn't answer a problem either. Train ourselves that when a need shows up, the first thing we do is we worship. We start worshiping God. When my husband went home to be with the Lord, I spent weeks, all that, that's all I was doing basically. I worship you, Father. What was I doing? I was holding my attention on him and off other things offered me. Therefore, I did not go through the struggles others went through, not because I didn't love my husband, but because I knew where my attention was to be. Your need wants your attention, put it on God. Your problem wants your attention, put it on God. Amen. Worship him. I said, worship him. Stand with me to your feet this morning. Is there a need you can think of in your life that needs his attention? Is there something of your life that needs a great and mighty movement from him? Well, what I want us to do this morning is how about we lift our hands and we begin worshiping him. Amen. Father, we thank you. Just lift up your hands, lift up your voice to him. Father, you said to the man of God, not only that, your word backs up what you said to him, that if your children would worship you more, that you would do great and mighty things. Father, we thank you for that grand offer. We listen to you. We regard you. We have respect for you. We have reverence for you. We worship you. Jesus, thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Lift up your own voice and worship him this morning. We worship you in this place. We magnify you in this place. We have regard for you in this place. We thank you. We say that no matter what comes against us, the greater one is in us and we're worshiping you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. I would encourage those who are watching right now that you do exactly what we're doing. I don't know if you're watching on television or some device. You can stand up right in your room and you can do exactly what we're doing. Or you say, maybe I can't get up. Well, just right where you're at, you can turn your heart his direction. And so why don't you join in and place him in front of you. Don't place your need in front of you. If we will worship him in the point of a need, he will do great and mighty things for us. So let's just do that together, along with those who may be viewing today. Just right where you're at, lift your hands and say, Father, I trust you. I glorify you. I magnify you. I honor you. I reverence you. I worship you. Jesus, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you've provided. Thank you for all the price you paid. I thank you, Father. There is no God like our God. There is no Father like our Father. There is no name like the name of Jesus. We reverence, we worship that name. We worship you, Father. We worship you, we glorify you, we magnify you, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.